Welcome back to the Daily Atlanta Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Hyduke. Joined with me, as always, Josh Peach. It's just me and Josh today, guys. We don't have a guest for you, so you're stuck with us. Um, but yeah, Josh, how's it going? What, what are you been up to? Uh, not been up to much. It's a rainy day here in Naperville today. So I've just been, you know, on my computer all day pretty much. It's also my sister's birthday. So happy birthday to her. We're getting some Lumo Maddies tonight. So yeah. Can be a good night. What have you been up to? Work. I've been working. I work at um, Great Escape, the pool store. Worked a good old 10-hour shift yesterday and turned around and worked again today. So, you know, just got to pay for my expensive college tuition somehow, you know? Um, oh, I feel that. Yeah, it's raining now. It was really, it's been kind of like gross this whole day. Um, I, I wish we lived somewhere besides Illinois. I know you and I both live in the suburbs, so we get the same weather. I I wish we were in, like, Arizona, Florida. Not right now, you don't. You know what? You're right. I am glad right now we're in Illinois. COVID cases, some of the lowest in the country. So, I mean, we got a plus there. Go Illinois. Everything else about Illinois, not so great. Yeah. But we'll... We'll take the low cases right now because that's what's most important. I'd rather have low COVID cases than nice weather right now. All right, so we're going to get a little more into, we hit on it last week a little, the, the TBT tournament, the basketball tournament, what it's called. Illinois had an alumni team in this year for the first time ever, House of Pain, coached by Mike Latulip, um, who was an Illinois grad when was his last season in Illinois? 2016? 2000, I think so. 2015, and then he redshirted a year um, and then played a fifth year outside of Illinois at – where did he end up? Why am I blanking? Where did Latulip end up? Let's see. Wright State? Right. That was it. I know it was – I want to say Wichita State, but I knew that wasn't right. Wright State yeah. ended up – so he was the coach this year. Um, I think after we re recorded our podcast last week, the House of Pain team actually went on to lose in the quarterfinals against Red Scare, which is the Dayton alumni team. The tournament actually just wrapped up earlier this week, Tuesday, right? Yeah, it was the Golden Eagles, the Marquette alum team that ended up beating Sideline Cancer in the championship. In a really close game. In a really yeah, close it was like game. four or five points or something like that. That that Marquette team is good. Like they were the clear winner. No yeah. no questions about it. Yeah, but so the first year Illinois alumni had a team um, went pretty well. I would say. I mean, you don't they they were seated super low, um, sixteen. So didn't expect them to come out and do too much. But I mean. Illinois, Illinois are fighters, like Illini are fighters. That's just how it is. And I think you really saw that from this team comprised of a lot of recent grads, you know, Malcolm Hill, Michael Finke, Andres Felice. Then you bring in a guy like Mike Dom, you know, who didn't actually go to Illinois, but had a connection um, to Mike Tulip somewhere in there. Mike LaTulip, my bad. Um, so I think this was cool to watch. Obviously, it was a nice break from everything. You know, we got sports back for a little while. But I think you're going to see this House of Pain team continuously in the next however many years this tournament goes. I think this was just the beginning. I think everyone's really excited about them. Josh, I know you watched a little more of the games than I did. So, you know, what did you take away from this team? What did you think about um, the tournament and everything? Yeah, so it was pretty cool because, like you mentioned, this was Illinois' first year in the tournament, and uh, another person that was supposed to play that didn't was Ravante Rice, so we lost him and ended up going, I think, for Billy Garrett Jr., who was a point guard, and nothing against Billy Garrett, but, you know, Ravante Rice would have been much better than him, so started as the 16 seed and played the Auburn alum team in the 16-17 game, blew them out, no questions, and then the big one was in the Sweet 16 against Carmen's crew, who won last year which is comprised of all Ohio State alum, coached by Jared Sullinger. And they beat them in one of the best TBT games ever. Uh, Mike Dom was fantastic in both those first games, averaging like 22 or something. Dude's a beast. Uh, and then that game against the Red Scare, you know, they didn't play nearly as well as they could have. Malcolm Hill, Andres Felice, Mike Dom all missed some shots they could have taken. The Red Scare, you know, clearly had a good scouting report on Dom, who's a really good player, but can't do everything yourself and his supporting cast didn't give him a ton, but 
even though they lost to the Red Scare in the quarterfinals, they did better than they were supposed to. They were clearly underseeded, and I'm guessing they get more guys for next year. So Latulip was a good coach. Uh, hopefully Dom sticks for next year, and if he does, they could be seen pretty high and, you know, give the Golden Eagles, Carmen's crew, whoever, a run for their money. I agree. Well, we have some actual interview audio from one of our Daily Illini writers who did an interview with Mike Latulip today. So we're going to give you guys some of that. Give, I mean, he's never coached before. He's never coached basketball before. You know, he mentioned in this interview a little that he's considered coaching, but I think what he said was he always wanted to pick when basketball was in his life and then when it was out of his life. Um, so he got to pick. He coached in Columbus. Biggest thing that, you know, I was kind of wondering was he's 26 years old. A lot of the guys playing for him were – Maybe once his teammates, um, I think Malcolm Hill and Michael Finke, they all played together a little younger than him or even a couple teammates who are a little, little older than them um, or older than him. So I thought that was interesting because you, you get something like that, you know, and it's kind of hard. You know, you have a re different respect level. You obviously have to earn respect wherever you are, no matter what your age. Um, but I think that's interesting. So we're going to hear from him about what he – thought about coaching guys his age you know a little older than him you know how he kind of earned that respect from those guys they were they were cooperative i think the biggest thing is these guys that know me from from illinois and, and i knew mike dom as well and i knew billy garrett as well so they already respected my my knowledge for the game and and really i think the way that you gain respect is just staying um, consistent in your message to each guy, you know, like before the before Columbus even getting there, outlining each role. Hey, this is what your role is going to look like on this team, and you know, the more that you can stay, you know, stay true to that and and be honest with guys and not be afraid of, hey, this guy's my friend on the side, so what's this going to look like? Like everyone was there to win, so they know that they trusted me in terms of putting together practice plans and game plans and. And, uh, you know, I thought their buy-in was awesome. And, and you mentioned it. I mean, a couple of those guys were, uh, were older than I was. But, you know, if you, can, if you can show that you're truly there for the right reasons and, and you know what you're talking about, you know, the, the respect and the trust level kind of just comes naturally at that point. Okay, so now we're going to get to one of probably the biggest questions that I know you and I both had. Probably a lot of fans who watch the tournament. How did Mike Dom come into this? I mean, where, where does he come from? Because he's South Dakota State. I mean, we don't – where – I mean, how is he Illinois? I mean, Josh, I know you – like I said, you watched a little more than me. What did you see from Mike Dom that you were just like, wow? Because he kind of – it seemed like he got snubbed from the all-tournament team. I feel like we kind of thought he was going to land on that. He didn't. But, you know, what did you see from him that you were just kind of like, this guy's pretty legit? Yeah, so Mike Dom went to South Dakota State, obviously. He's a top 10 scorer in NCAA history. Everyone pretty much knew who he was, you know. He put up, like, Doug McDermott, Creighton type of numbers. And Latulip had another year of eligibility, and he, you know, went to South Dakota State on a visit, and that's how he met Dom. So that's how he got in contact with him and asked him to play. But the thing that separates Dom is that he has an inside game, an outside game, and a mid-range game, and he hits really, really tough shots. He has the perfect size. He's in that, you know, 6'9", 6'10", 6'11", range. He's not too big, but he's strong enough to compete. So, you know, obviously against the Red Scare when he got double teamed, he couldn't do a ton. But even against that awesome Carmen's crew, he put up 23 points, scored in every single way you can think of. He finishes hard at the rim. He hits his free throws, his threes. The dude is really, really good. And people are saying he, he wouldn't be the worst player in the NBA. That was how the broadcasters put it for TBT. But – he's got a point like he'd be pretty competitive in the NBA. So whether he goes overseas after this G league, whatever, he'll be good. And he was just so awesome for this team. Yeah. I think it's cool. Something like this tournament does is showcase some of these guys who, you know, might not even be playing overseas or are playing professionally overseas kind of gives them a little showcase opportunity for the NBA or for the G league, you know, something like that. But I think you summed up Mike Dom pretty good, but we're going to hear what Latulip had to say about Mike Dom. When I was at Illinois my, for my fifth year, obviously I went to Wright State, but I took a visit to South Dakota State when uh, when Coach Nagy, my eventual coach at Wright State, was was at South Dakota State. So I went, uh, visited there. Mike Dom was essentially like my host on the visit. Um, 
you know, so we got to know each other through there, and we've kept we've kept up with each other over the years. And um, I had reached out to him a long time ago about the TVT, you know, probably seven eight months ago, you know, and um, he ended up choosing to play for a, a team out of Iowa, which makes more sense. I mean, he's he's from Nebraska, you know, it's a little more regional for him, and um, you know, but once we kind of found out that that team wasn't getting in, you know, I, I had reached out to him. I was like, hey, if your team doesn't get in, like, we'd love to have you, and. I got on the phone with him for about 30 minutes, walked him through kind of what his role is going to look like, how we're going to utilize him. And, you know, and then from there, um, you know, I think he took about a, a, a day maybe to, to think it over, and then he ended up kind of committing to us. So um, that was a big one because not only does – I think everybody saw what Mike Don brings to the table from a, from a player perspective, but, man, as a teammate, it, he doesn't get, it doesn't get much better than, than Mike Don. He's just so bought in, high energy. Um and he was even saying that at the end of the of the trip, like man, I made some lifelong friends just in a two week span in, in Columbus. So, and that's and that's really the cool part about it. Um, winning games is great, but these guys getting to know each other and and uh, kind of building these relationships for the future is, is really cool too. Okay, and obviously, like we mentioned earlier, this was the House of Pain's first time competing, first Illinois alumni team in this tournament. And they make it to the quarterfinals. I mean, that's pretty impressive. And you didn't have every top Illinois alumni out there that can still play basketball competitively. I mean, you even think about a Brandon Paul, who who did he end up playing for that everyone? Was it Team Hines? So, I, think, I think it was Team Hines. They got out in the first in the first game. But I think that the big one that we that I said before was Ravante Rice that could play that wanted to play that didn't. Yeah, so I think, I mean, you have, I mean, the ceiling is so high for this team. You don't know the potential of this team, A, because you were missing some guys. B, you could get a, you could get more guys like a Mike Dom next year, years to come, because, you know, this House of Pain team is giving you a chance to win, so why not come on their team as a little grad transfer, you know, as they kind of called Mike Dom. And then three, you're going to have more alumni just, interested because that they made it so far I mean who you know you could have had guys skip out because they're like oh I don't really know if I want to and then also you put COVID in as a factor you know not everyone was willing to live inside like a little tight bubble for now but I mean the ceiling is high and if the core group of this team stays together next year maybe for another couple years and you add a guy like Rice you know you add a couple more alumni maybe a guy coming out of Illinois this year, you think of, you know, what if a DeMonte Williams wanted to kind of follow what Felice did this year? Um, I mean, where do you see the ceiling at for this team? I see the ceiling really, really high. I mean, they had eight guys this year, one of them being LaRon Black, who did not play in that final game against Red Scare because, you know, he seemed to be 350, 400 pounds out there and he couldn't move. So he didn't play it on the last game. Another guy that opted out, I believe, was Corey Bradford, who was another really good guard. So take those two in consideration. Even someone like Maverick Morgan comes to my mind. Like, what if Maddie Morgan comes back to play and we get another big like him? And like you said, DeMonte Williams. Andres Felice, I believe, is going to play again. What if Brandon Paul comes? What if Dimitri McKamey comes from Carmen's crew? What I'm trying to say here is that this team can win the tournament next year and not only win it, they can, like, fly through it if they get the right guys. You know, obviously these guys are a little older, so they can, you know, get a little slower, tired one year, but – you know, knock on wood, there should be no COVID next year. Like, we should have a vaccine by then, or at least, you know, much better conditions. So I think that people are going to want to play, and I think Illinois is going to get people. I agree. All right, let's hear what Latulip has to say about the ceiling for this House of Pain team next year. I think we're not – honestly, I don't even think we're close to the ceiling. Um, you know, I thought this year, uh, you know, we had guys who were extremely bought in and, and, and did the right things, and – um, that led to us, you know, winning some games. Uh, but obviously, in order to win this entire tournament, um, you know, you need to have, you know, you can't have any deficiencies. So um, we have a lot of guys, and obviously Ravante Rice was committed before having to go back to Israel. Like, there's going to be guys that are lining up to play on this team. So that's that's what makes it difficult because, you know, then you're, make, you're making the tough decisions of, of who, who, who to, to bring on the team and, and who not to bring on the team. So 
but that's a good problem to have. Uh, you know, but at the end of the day, I mean, I thought we set the foundation this year of like, hey, if you want to play for the House of Pain, you better be tough. You know, you better guard. Um, you know, and you better be a team guy because those are those are the those are the characteristics um, for everybody. You know, and anybody that wins in this tournament, like those are the characteristics that you need. All right. Well, you know, Latula kind of echoed what we said. Ceiling very, very high for this team. So you know, we'll have to stay tuned for next July. Hopefully, House of Pain can. Josh, like you said, fly through and win this thing and maybe, you know, see them kind of dominate a little for years to come. We're going to switch it over to some NFL talk, which surprisingly we really haven't done on this podcast, which is weird because, well, I guess I only talk about the Steelers when Brendan allowed me to. Well, he's not here, so we can do whatever we want now. Yeah, we're going to switch it up a little, Gabby. Let's do some football for a change. I promise I won't talk actually all about the Steelers. Well, we're going to talk about, we've talked a lot about college football, the college football season, where that kind of stands. What about the NFL season? Where does that stand? I, I know we hit on it actually a little last week, um, but I know you and I were doing some reading today, you know, just what ESPN was saying about the guidelines. And I mean, you have to, ex- you have to anticipate the NFL going. I mean, you have to anticipate them starting, I think, some will depend on how the MLB and the NBA seasons, which are supposed to, you know, get rolling in the next couple of weeks, how that goes. But, I mean, NFL has kind of said they're not looking to do a bubble-type thing like the NBA, like the MLB, just because there's so many guys. I mean, NFL teams are huge. So, I, you know, we're going to run through some of the guidelines. But, you know, first glance, Josh, what are you thinking for this NFL season? Where do you – I mean, what do you anticipate really happening? So before I read through the guidelines, I was thinking, you know, I think I said this last week, I expect I, my expectation professional sports run pretty smoothly and go well, and we're not going to have college sports, football at least. I was reading through the NFL guidelines. I'm not too optimistic after reading through them. And I know that the fifth thing that they said was that there's not going to be a bubble and that people are going to be like optional for the hotel. And, you know, like I said, we're going to run through that, but that one really concerned me. I'm fine with everything else, but they're not clear on who's going to be in the fans and the testing. So I'm not going to lie to you, Gabby. At first glance, I'm not too optimistic about the NFL. Yeah, all right. Well, let's look through them. So the first one is all training camps will be at team facilities. I mean, pretty you assume that. And I yeah. I think that's good just because, you know, you're limiting your exposure. Um, you know, these are facilities that they need to be at anyways. Don't think that comes as a surprise at all. Um, I mean, second one is basically just social distancing at your facilities. You know, try and account for six feet of physical distance, you know, maybe redesigning some locker room space, redesigning meeting spaces, you know, still encouraging those virtual meetings, even though, you know, once you're, you can actually get in person, I feel like it's gonna be hard for these coaches and these guys to want to return to the whole virtual meeting thing. I mean, I know you and I are both dying to just like get back to campus and just like see everyone in person and for us to re- even record this in person. So I think it's like once you have that option open, it's gonna be hard for them just to you know still do those virtual meetings or go back to those. Um, but I mean, all these three, four pretty standard team showers, um, two-week supply of PPE equipment, um, you know, for medical officials. But yeah, I mean, you come to number five, the arrangement will not be a bubble-like plans in motion with the NHL and NBA. I mean, how do you think that, how do you think that's going to work? Because you have the, you have the option, players have the option to stay at a team-sponsored hotel, but will not be required to. So you're asking these guys to basically stay at their normal houses, but also ask them to social distance from the people they're living with and try not to have contact with anyone else. Seems a little unrealistic to me. Yeah, so here's my take on this. If you're going to compare this to the MLB, who's doing something somewhat similar, you know, no bubble. The MLB is, one, doing a lot of testing. Two, you're a lot more distance to begin with. And three, the MLB got held out for a while, and they had to make an agreement to start playing in the first place. The NFL has had no holdout, and people are a lot like closer to each other, and there's a lot more physical contact during games. You know what I'm saying? Like, They're going to stay in the hotel, it looks like, the night before. Like They'll be required to the night before a game. 
But other than this, it does not, you know, look like there's super strict guidelines. Like they're kind of just going to leave it up to the players and trust them. But I think that since there was no holdout, NFL players are going to be pretty loose on this. And like I said, if they're not in a bubble and you're coming in that much physical contact, I'm really concerned about the virus spreading fast because it seems to me like one person gets it on the team, at least half the team's going to get it. So I'm just, I'm just saying at first glance, this does not look too good to me. Well, yeah, I think you make a good point. Baseball is a completely different sport. I mean, baseball is almost all non-contact. Obviously, have, you know, sliding and tagged and stuff like that. But everything else is pretty much non-contact. You know, dugout and bullpen, obviously that's contact um, just because you're high-fiving, whatever. But NFL, you're hitting, you're touching some other person every time you step on the field I mean you're either blocking you know you're getting tackled whatever so I I agree with you if one person gets it how is the rest of the team not getting it because if you contract it from someone during the game you don't know in the moment so you know you're you're going about the game you're doing whatever and we know how like we know how unpredictable this virus is as far as symptoms as far as you know even testing like are tests always 100% correct? No, they're just not. And that's the world we're living in right now. And then it says, obviously, you know, teams have to have a quarantine area, designated area. You know, if you do contract the virus, obviously you have to quarantine, blah, blah, blah. But by then, if someone's contracting the virus, how is the rest of the team not getting it or at least multiple players? I mean, how do you practice? Like, without... Football is always going to be a contact sport. You know, you could go through training camp and try and limit that contact. Once the season gets going, you need to have normal practices. You need to be, you know, running through your routes, running through your formations, everything. Otherwise, things are going to get messed up during the game. I mean, if you're simply not practicing, I don't care how much of a veteran Tom Brady is or whoever is. If you're not practicing with your guys and your team, the games aren't going to be what the games should be. Um, I just, it's really risky, and I think you're putting a lot on the line just because the amount of players on each team, coaches, training staff, you know, field staff, stadium staff, if you're going to allow fans in, that's fans, staff, concessions, staff, all these things for a football game. And don't get me wrong, you know, my favorite sport is football. I live and breathe by the Steelers (laughs) you know I love football but at the end of the day you kind of have to ask yourself like how big of a chain like it's going to be a huge chain reaction by just one player getting the virus I think that there's you know we're not the only ones thinking this I'm sure that there are a ton of other you know journalists sports fans just people that are interested reading this and thinking the same thing that we are but there's probably stuff we're missing I know that I've heard before that they're gonna try and make like you know their helmets a new way to kind of make it like a mask and so obviously that makes a difference and maybe they'll be wearing masks on the sideline when their helmets aren't on I don't know and like I said maybe these guys are mature enough to you know keep their masks on and actually social distance because you know like they want their money and a lot of them love the game and want to play so my hope is that those people are smart and if they are then we're gonna have no problems but like there's even been rumors already in the NBA bubble about them inviting people in. Like, what the heck is that about? These guys got held off too. Like, I don't know. I just know that even though these guys are more mature than college athletes, like they're not perfect either. They're human beings. And I'm sure that the NFL is the best doctors and scientists surrounding themselves with that. They're going to do everything they can, but if there's no bubble and they're tackling each other, and if there's any, you know, non-mask wearing, this isn't gonna work so good luck NFL prove me wrong please but right now I'm very you know skeptical about the season well yeah and you ESPN the article we've been kind of looking at named some things we don't know about the 2020 season the biggest one being money money revenue you know players salaries because there's a strong chance there's gonna be reduced revenues for 2020 i mean ticket sales tv whatever you want to call it is there going to be a decrease in salaries i mean 
Um, this article says the NFLPA considered a proposal to put 35% of salaries in a scroll for um, a non-starter. I mean, at that point, if you're not making what you should be making, or do you want to play or should I sit out the season? But again, there's no financial accommodations as of now for a player or a team employee, a staff member, a coach who would want to sit out the season or not coach a season or not work a season. Do they lose their jobs? I mean, do you just get kicked off the team? Do you get sent on like a different list, kind of like an IR type thing, you know, or you just on IR till next season? Like, there's so many questions and you have to have some sort of a accommodation for a player who maybe has a, you know, a weaker immune system or has, you know, a, an immune deficiency or something like that, where they really genuinely do not feel safe. And I think one thing to think about is Elena Deladon in the WNBA. I don't know if you saw this, she has Lyme disease. Yeah. Well, like medical officials determined that she does not, she's not exempt from the season. So now she has to figure out if she wants to play and risk catching it and possibly becoming very sick or, you know, worst case scenario, dying from this or just sit out and not get a salary. Is that, is that what's going to happen in the NFL? Because that's, you know, you have a lot more guys in the NFL than WNBA. I just don't see how you can't provide some sort of salary for a guy who says, you know what, I have some underlying health condition or someone in my family does, I'm not playing. Yeah, so they clearly have some decisions to make. A couple other more things we don't know. Uh, one of them is fans. I know that the Jacksonville Jaguars have already said 25% capacity, which surprisingly enough, I actually agree with. And then uh, preseason games is the other argument right now. I know that the players want them and you know, the people that run the league do not. So that's something else we're going to have to look out for. But that stuff I'm all fine with. It's just the whole, you know, non-bubble, you know, uh, yeah, non-bubble thing that really concerns me. And the player's choice to stay in their own homes or their hotel, you know. I really hope if they are staying at their house, they're just with their families and they're not doing anything, you know, stupid or inviting, you know, other people over, which is going to be hard to do, but you got to make sacrifices just like the rest of us are for what you want to do. So good luck NFL. Yeah. I mean, obviously I hope it gets played and I hope they find a way to genuinely keep everybody safe. Otherwise there could be a lot of sicknesses, a lot of deaths. Can we agree that a lot can go wrong in the NFL? The MLB, worst case, a couple people get it. The NBA, I don't think anyone's going to get it. But the NFL, this could explode, right? Mm-hmm. Like, th- th- this could be pretty bad in my eyes and I if think, it goes wrong. I think it could be a huge explosion. And I think that's why, uh, you know, again, we've talked about college football, just the sport of football. For it, you know, everything else, just the sport of football is contact every play. I mean, it's contact yeah. after contact after contact. There's no way of – not contracting it if someone has it you know what I mean like I can't see like oh Ben Roethlisberger gets COVID and you know whoever's coming to tackle him they tackle him and they don't get COVID I mean I just don't see how that works and you know sure they could do even daily tests but you don't know first of all you don't know how long the test is going to take if you're doing daily tests I mean that's a huge thing to ask for and then, okay, what if you test at 9 a.m.? Always oh, fine. Well, what if the, you know, what if it didn't show up till later in the day? We don't, we don't know exactly 100% how this virus works. So I think you are just putting a lot on the line. But I think they're going to – the difference between college football and NFL for me is I think they're going to go ahead and try the NFL. They're, college football, you know, we've talked – we don't think it's going to even get started. I think they're going to go ahead and start the NFL and shut it down if they need to shut it down, which could work. And, you know, you know, everybody might stay safe. You might have limited number of positives, but here's putting a lot on the line and you're asking a lot. I think of these players and these coaches and training staffs and just how many people go into a football game, an NFL football game, you're asking a lot from the, these people. But you brought up the NBA. You brought well, up so the before NBA. the NBA, I, w- I want to make one more point. 
Go ahead. So you have people like Lincoln Riley in the South. You know, he just said yesterday he's the head coach of Oklahoma. Who doesn't know he's awesome? Could have gotten the, gotten the Cowboys job. He's like, I don't see any reason we can't have a season. He's, you know, in the South coaching. Then you have players in the North, coaches in the North. And you know, there shouldn't be a difference between North and South, but we both know this, Gabby, there is. People think differently for whatever reason. So you have people like him that's like there's no, you know, no reason we can't do football. So I see that, but – Football, we haven't seen played before. Baseball is being played in Japan right now. Basketball got played in the basketball tournament before the NBA. Soccer is being played in Europe before it's starting up here. All these sports have been played other places, and we've seen how to do it. There's, no, there's been no experimentation for football. So, you know, I appreciate the optimism from a guy like Lincoln Riley or players that are you know, playing for Clemson, even though they had almost 30 guys test positive. So I like the optimism, but we haven't even seen it before. So I just think we got to, you know, slow down and – try and see if this can actually work here because this is going to be the first place it's played. I agree. So we're going to get into a little NBA, MLB. I mean, NBA will probably hit on a little more next week just because they're not set to start for another two weeks. But I want to bring up you something you mentioned earlier. There was a tweet. Some some woman, some girl on Twitter tweeted um, a couple days ago something about like, oh my gosh, already got invited to the NBA bubble. And then the NBA is like effed. That's basically what And they've said. already said they've gotten like anonymous tips that, you know, guys aren't abiding by the bubble rules, things like that. I mean, you have to be, you have to be selfish at this point. And I hate to say that, but you have to be so selfish at this point that you are inviting people into the bubble. You're going out of the bubble. You're breaking the rules. I mean, yeah, it sucks, but you're also getting paid as an NBA athlete a lot of money to yeah stay in not the nicest place. I mean, all these guys' houses are nicer than where they're staying, but you're fortunate enough to you know have the job you have, be able to hopefully do the job you have and still be getting paid for the job you have. You know, like normal people out here are losing jobs left and right, are being laid off of jobs and. I would say it's very an NBA player versus, you know, like a normal, normal worker, like, you know, you or me or our parents or whatever is different, but you have to be really selfish to be putting these, you know, other NBA players at risk or just selfish to put the whole season at risk. You know, if they get enough of these anonymous tips or enough girls get invited to the NBA bubble, I mean, What's the number of tips that you have to get to where you say, you know, NBA, we're not, it's shut down. We're not doing this. You know, it just seems a little selfish to me. And I don't know if I'm, you know, being too rude about that. I mean, Josh, what do you think? No, I completely agree. And now, now that I think about it, being kind of negative on this episode, but whatever, it's just, it's just my (laughs) true feelings. Yeah. Like I said, I'm skeptical about football. And then you have people here, like, I'm, you know, not sure that they're going to stick together, but then in a literal bubble, in Orlando, Florida, which obviously, you know, there's cases in Florida, but which is one of the nicest places in these nice suites and hotels. You have people inviting uh, girls over. And, like, this girl wasn't even dating any of the guys in the NBA. Like, what about Joel Embiid, who always meets his girlfriend after games? And there's plenty of guys like them. I'm not saying it's bad to have a girlfriend, but they know that they're not going to be able to invite them over. So it, it already, like, makes me angry that people are inviting people over. But Hopefully after that, maybe everyone's like, oh, this got out fast. I shouldn't do that. I still think the NBA is going to work, but you're right. If this keeps happening, there are officials that are going to have to be like, all right, like we might shut this down quick. So we don't know what's going to happen. I guess we're just going to have to wait and see. But obviously within the first few days of a girl getting an Instagram model or whatever, getting invited there, not a good look. Not a good look for the NBA. MLB is set to start in about a week now. A week from tomorrow. There's two games. Uh, Nationals, Yankees, and Dodgers, Giants, I think. Yeah. Pretty sure. I believe so. Two pretty solid games, too, um, if they work out. I mean, you know, we've – I think a couple weeks ago when we had Rich on, we hit on a little bit about the MLB, and I think we all kind of said that we don't know if we're going to get through this season. I mean, I think we're – I think it's set to start. I think we're going to, it's going to start a week from tomorrow. I think you're going to get some games in. I mean, they're keeping it very regional based on who you're playing. Um, And I think you're going to see that with every sport this year, whichever sport gets played. Obviously, like you said, NBA a little different because they're in a bubble. 
But, you know, NFL schedule might change if college football gets played. I mean, we already know that it's conference only. I don't know. I'm really torn about the MLB. I'm really torn about what's actually going to go down. I mean, I'm so excited for next Thursday just to see an MLB game get played this season. I don't know how long it's going to last, like we said. Um, I don't know. I mean, Josh, what are you feeling about this? So what I think is that the MLB has not many guys that have opted out. The big ones are Buster Posey, David Price, Ryan Zimmerman, Ian Desmond, but none of those are huge names, right? David Price, you could argue, just got traded to the Dodgers, but no huge names. And we've been hearing really good numbers, you know, on testing. And obviously, you know, teams are having their scrimmages on TV. I think they've had a lot of fun with that. But I don't know. I'm actually pretty optimistic for the MLB. I think that they're doing a really good job keeping people quarantined. I think that the players are, you know, obviously they were fed up with not getting a deal done before. I know a lot of people wanted to get it done to play on the fourth, and that didn't happen. But they're, they seem to be okay right now. Like I said, uh, like you mentioned, Gabby, it's not like football where people are tackling each other left and right. They're very spaced out. People seem excited, and I actually think it's going to work. Obviously, I could be wrong. People could break their quarantine after a while and invite people over, go places, maybe after a big win. We haven't seen that yet. But as it looks right now, I think that the NBA – or, I'm sorry, the MLB is going to start on time and should be good for at least a while. Well, I think it'll be interesting to see how players – MLB players just adjust. I mean – I think it's protocol to now be wearing your masks in the dugout. You know, if you're not playing, if you're not on deck, whatever, you have to be wearing your mask in the dugout. How long is it going to take for players? You're going to start hearing players getting really irritated by that. And again, if you're not abiding by those rules, I think it's, I think it's selfish. And I think like I kind of mentioned, you have everyday workers like you know the normal people in the world not professional athletes not that they're not normal but you know what I'm saying normal jobs um you know those people are wearing masks all day six eight ten twelve hours of the day so I think you are going to have backlash if some of these players come on they're like well I don't want to wear the mask you know I'm taking or if you see players not wearing masks in the dugout because at the end of the day your job is a professional baseball player so other people with other jobs are wearing masks. You should also be wearing masks. Obviously, when you're out in the field hitting, that's a different story. But I, I wonder how long it is going to take for a player to be like, you know, I'm kind of sick of this. Like, can we be done wearing the masks? Da, 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 da. Um, so I think that'll be interesting just to see are players going to be vocal about if they are irritated with what's going on or if they are upset or aren't comfortable with what's going on. I mean, I think in this world right now you have to be really vocal about whether you're comfortable or not you know the players know more than us they know more what's going on if people you know aren't abiding by the rules that they're supposed to be abiding by so I think it'll just I'm curious to see what players are going to speak out against this once the season gets rolling are they going to be comfortable is this kind of just going to flow and things are going to go well is it going to blow up and explode I mean, I hope it doesn't. I hope – I mean, it's a 60-game season, and then, you know, you hopefully have the playoffs. It's not not a long season. So I have a little optimism that, you know, just like you said, the numbers are pretty low. Their tests are coming back almost all negative. You know, I think they're they're going good for now. But in two months from now, when you're still in the middle of the season, you know, near the end, are people still abiding by those rules are people still social distancing are people still wearing masks in the dugout I just think you might see as time goes on people starting like we've seen in this country as time goes on states start to reopen and now look at this blow up of cases especially in the south so are you going to have players and teams start to you know maybe a month from now and things are going well start to you know lean back and take some masks off not social distance as much then you're going to have a huge blow up so I, I agree. Pretty much everything you said, I agree with. So we've been talking a lot about quarantine. So I want to ask you something. I'm not sure how much you've thought about it. Do you have any predictions for winners for the MLB? Do you have a favorite in each league? You know, any sleeper teams, anything like that? Any bold picks if we do get to go th- go through the season? I don't know. I don't know, honestly. I mean, I think I don't know. I don't have anything for you right now. I mean, obviously, 
the pirates are completely out and that's my team. <laughs> that's more they're what I was looking gone. for. They're yeah. gone. So, I mean, that's a no-go. Um, Cause obviously like any other sport, Penguins, Steelers, I'm picking Pittsburgh, but I mean, I don't know. What are yours? So my favorites in each league are probably the Dodgers and the Yankees just because they're the number ones yeah. and you look at them on paper and they're insane. Like, the fact that Mookie Betts is on the Dodgers now, like, it's just, like, they're creating their version of Mize of, like, the Warriors, so that's yeah, cool. I, my I, I feel like mine would have been Dodgers, but I'm I'm trying not to be basic, you know what yeah. I mean? I feel like Dodgers, you know, have, are always in the running. Um, I will say this, the Cubs, because, you know, I'm a Cubs fan, so I'll give my big take on them. Uh, they have top 10 uh, lineup in baseball, but their pitching is older. They even have questions about a fifth pitcher, but I think that this shortened season is going to help them for like the John Lester's of the world who are getting older and the Craig Kimbrell's who are getting older. So I could see the Cubs winning, you know, their division. That'd be cool. But my sleeper team this year is the Cincinnati Reds. I think that they are, they have, they do have the easiest schedule in baseball. I looked at that on the like the Pakoda projections or something, they have the Reds winning too. So I guess it's not much of a sleeper team, but just more someone that doesn't get talked about as much. They have they acquired a lot of really good, you know, like key pieces, including Nicholas Castellanos, who was on the Cubs last year. He's just an amazing hitter. Then they have one of the best pitching lineups too. So my sleeper team is the Reds this year. Okay. I mean I think I mean I guess one of my other ones would be the Minnesota Twins um, in the AL Central, obviously. I think they're one of those teams, you know, who hasn't won in a while. I mean, when's the last time the Twins won anything? I mean. Was it when they went back-to-back in the early – or not back-to-back. I think they won in the early 90s. They went from, like, the worst team in baseball to the best team in baseball. That might have been it. Nine, yeah, the 90s, yep. Yeah. I mean – I don't know. I, the problem is, like, how do you make a a good prediction on a sixty game season? Like, right? So I much- mean, the Nationals were nineteen and thirty one last year before they ended up winning the World Series. They wouldn't have made the playoffs in a sixty game season. Exactly, and, and I mean, like, not to always use Pittsburgh as a reference, but like last season, the Pirates were doing incredible before the All Star break, and then they fell off the wagon as they do every year. But, okay, you get a couple teams like that who always start the season hot, and now you only have, like, half that season. You could get some, like, really weird teams in the playoffs. I mean, I think the Cubs – I think you mentioned them. The Cubs have a good chance. I mean, they have a solid lineup, and I think – I don't know. I I, It's hard for me to say. Obviously, I want to – like I said, I want to go Dodgers. I would say right now I'd probably say Dodgers. but, I, I mean, you could see, like, a really weird team winning this. And, like, how cool – not a cool might be the wrong word, but, I mean, this is, like, a once-in-a-lifetime season. Not that it's in, you know – it's not good that we're in this once-in-a-lifetime mm-hmm. opportunity. But I think it'd be kind of cool as a team to win this. If we – if you know, if you can make it through the 60-game season and get a quick playoff in and you win this, I mean, you're under such – unique and stressful and intense circumstances that you win this I think that's impressive and I think you could you know see a team maybe even like the Reds like you said probably never the Pirates but maybe a team like the Twins the Cubs anything like that someone who isn't your usual Dodgers Yankees that you're you know you're always predicting someone you know who could really come out in this I think you're going to see the same thing with the NBA I mean, each of those, you're in such weird circumstances. I mean, like, imagine living in the NBA bubble right now. Like, any of these leagues this year is so weird because, I mean, everyone's betting, most people are betting that you don't even make it through a season. So if you do and you come out the winner, I mean, I think it's, I think it's pretty cool. Well, you have to read the scene, right? Because even though there's going to be an asterisk, whoever wins any of these, probably not football, you know, if football is able to make it all the way through, they're probably not going to have one. But NBA and MLB for sure is going to be a little asterisk by it. So, but they're giving out a trophy nevertheless. And I know that people have said for the NBA, like, I think it was Austin Rivers. He's like, this would be the best year to win a championship because it's the toughest circumstances. So I agree with you. I think it's really hard to predict things. I'm just excited to see, will someone hit 400 in the MLB? You know, how many home runs are we going to get? Are we going to get 30? I'm not sure. That'd be 
insane if someone did that, but people go on hot streaks, right? So yeah, I don't know. It's going to be really, I, th- I think it's going to be fun to watch. I'm hoping Marquee Sports Network makes a deal with Comcast. Those Cubs fans out there will <laughs> know what I'm talking about, but yeah, it, it should be a good season. All right, so we're going to wrap up with a little Big Ten talk. This news about the conference-only season um, for all fault sports, we did mention it in our podcast last week because it kind of happened right when we were recording, but we're going to get a little more into it. So the Big Ten announced on July 9th last week that all fall sports will be a conference-only season. Conference-only season. I know the big one's football, but I want to bring up something really important. Fall golf and tennis is almost exclusively non-conference. Especially you think of a, a sport like golf. I mean, you're only playing tournaments. You're not playing, you know, one-on-one. You're playing tournaments with tens of teams from all different regions. Mm-hmm. I mean, that – do you even – do you even try and play golf? I mean, golf is probably one of the best sports to actually play right now because it's so non-contact, but how do you rearrange these tournaments? And, you know, obviously a lot of the tournaments in the fall are in the South because it's warmer, you know, you have such unpredictable weather in the Midwest, but now, okay, you can only play in the Midwest. What do you do? And I think, like I said, everyone's talking about college football, but you have these other sports that, you know, you think of a volleyball. I mean, volleyball's first month, month and a half of its season is non-conference and then you get into your big 10 and obviously you know the women's volleyball team at Illinois we've talked about is incredible you know has made runs in the tournament the past couple seasons under Chris Thomas do you just forego that first part of your season and then wait to start until conference starts or do you double the conference load and I mean, obviously, Illinois is fortunate volleyball-wise. Big Ten is arguably the best volleyball conference in the nation. I mean, you have competitive teams through the whole conference. But I think you're going to see a lot of these other sports besides football struggle to figure out their schedules and to figure out who they're actually going to end up playing, especially, you know, a golf, a tennis, things like that. We haven't heard for sure that sports that aren't football are going conference only, right? That's not set in stone, correct? I thought it was all sports. Is it? Okay. For some reason, I thought that they'd only said that for football. If it is all, if it is, um, all sports, I think it was very premature to do it for a sport like golf, just because like golf's one of the ones that I thought could just go smoothly. Like people aren't by each other. It's golf. You can easily stand 10 feet away at all times or six feet, whatever and be totally fine with that. I mean, if they did announce that already, which they probably did, maybe I dismissed it. I think that's very premature because obviously football is the main focus and not that other, you know, obviously other sports should be focused on too, but I don't know what they're going to do for other. I mean, I have a friend that plays volleyball for Penn state. Right. Mm -hmm. And she's already telling me, she thinks that like on her team and, you know, Penn state's very, very, very good at volleyball. They're super competitive every year. She just thinks it's not going to happen already. She thinks that volleyball cut. Really? And like, you know, my opinions on like fall sports right now, I don't think they're going to happen. So to hear someone like her saying that is like, I'm not even going to say it shocks me because the circumstances are so bad. Well, yeah, ESPN did report that the Big Ten on Thursday announced it will go to a conference-only season for all fall sports, including football. Wow. Okay. Dang. So, I mean, that includes your football, your volleyball, your yeah. tennis, your golf. What else am I mid- – cross-country, which, I mean, that's obviously cross-country, non-contact golf, non-contact tennis, pretty – non-contact unless you're playing doubles and you run into whatever but I think the whole idea is just to minimize travel and to minimize you know crossing paths with you know yeah others you know further away states and I think that works for the Big Ten except you have you know Maryland you have Penn State which are kind of farther out there so I think you're Rutgers which is a hot spot yeah New York yeah I mean I how do you you still have to take a plane ride or a long, long, long bus ride to Rutgers to Penn State 
to Maryland. So I think it's still going to be hard. And I mean, I I don't know. You're still traveling. Like you're still traveling. I mean, Ohio state isn't a quick bus ride away either. Things like that. So I think I understand the conference only model for football and for possibly a sport like volleyball. Um, but also volleyball is such a small team. I mean, I think you can get away with traveling pretty lightly there because football, if you're trying to take a plane to Rutgers, that's two planes. And I mean, that's not minimizing travel at all. So I think I get it because what else are you going to do? I mean, you had to make a move. You had to make a move right now because everyone's questioning the college football season. I don't know if you had to make a move for every sport, like we said, because of a golf what are you going to do are you just not going to play golf because okay you don't play golf you don't play tennis you don't play volleyball but you're going to play college football the riskiest one of them all I mean it's hard to justify that and obviously you justify it by college football is the money maker so you have to play college football if you want to actually play a golf and tennis you know college football funds a lot of those other sports but I think that's really hard to justify health-wise I just like you and I saw, sound so confused right now right like yes. it's, there's just so much there's so much spe- no and that's like that's what I'm getting into like there's so much speculation I just don't think these are gonna happen like there's so much to be asked like people are so mad about this conference only thing and rightfully so like we said last week Illinois can't play Illinois State week one but they're gonna go to Rutgers in football like it doesn't make any sense and people are going to be mad at this. The revenue is going to be down. I just, like you said, with golf, it's pretty much all non-conference. Like that's the perfect example. I just, I I have a lot of questions to kind of transition a little bit. College football primetime and Instagram page said a source inside the Northwestern football program told all CFB network earlier this week about how the big 10 plans to conduct the 2020 season. So I want to go through a few of those guidelines um it says players are going to be tested every two days and if you miss a game or if you test positive three to four games missed so there's half your season right there uh coaches will not be tested it said refs will use their own water bottles i thought they had their own water bottles already but apparently not um players who return from having covid will not be able to practice at 100 percent for four to seven days meaning they can't play in a game uh in that recovery period these are these are weird, right? And, and this is like those are some pretty weird guidelines. What do you think of those, Gabby? I mean, where is this coming from? What did you say? This is from right here, College Football Prime Time, and they told the All College Football Network. Hmm. The, this what, is people inside the Northwestern program that were saying this. Okay, I mean, the one that sticks out to me is the coach is not getting tested. I mean, I yes. guess you're saying that you think these the coaches are going to be responsible enough that they're not going to interact with anybody outside of the football but I mean you can't expect that 100% obviously I think the really dedicated ones and I think you're going to have coaches maybe staying in a hotel away from their families or you know their wives their husbands whatever but I don't think it's smart to not test coaches I mean you never know And you never know who they're going to come in contact at the grocery store. You know, like, yeah, you know, these coaches might be quarantining most of the time or they're only spending their time around football, but these guys need to eat. They need to, you know, see the sun. And so I think I don't like that move if that's what's going to happen. Also, the three to four games. Okay, so hear me out. Brandon Peters tests positive. He's out. Matt Robinson tests positive. He's out. Isaiah Williams tests positive. He's out. We're going to run out of players. We're, who's, who's playing quarterback? Milo Eifler? Yeah. I don't think so. I mean, maybe. Maybe he has this. Casey Washington? I don't think so. Like, I think three to four games, that's several weeks. I mean, that's three to five, six weeks, depending on bye weeks, whatever. If that's Who even knows what the schedule is going to look like this year? I mean, I get you're trying to be cautious. If you're trying to be cautious, you got to cancel the season. I mean, if you get enough players, I mean, these players are all together. Like we said, if one tests positive, how are multiple going to test negative? So what you, okay, let's say all your starters are wiped out. Let's just say, I mean, they're all con- they're all in contact with each other. 
half your starters are out next week other half are out next week another like good chunk I mean you're running out of players and then you're asking players to play maybe multiple positions play positions they're really not built for play positions they haven't played since high school you're asking for injuries there the further we go down this list and the further we play this game of you know what could happen the more it seems like we should just cancel it right now I mean and I know a lot of a lot of talk is going into the spring and I know we talked about that that it doesn't seem plausible to us but you know they're gonna find a way to make money so if the spring they can make money they can make money in the spring they're gonna do it all these things you're saying and all those all those potential guidelines I don't see if they try and play college football I don't see it lasting more than a week I really don't so again that I'm not 100% sure if that was the proposal right now if that's set in stone but that's you know definitely the thoughts that are going through um college football in the Big Ten's head right now uh Gavin Good, who's been on here before, tweeted, Justin, Illinois Chancellor Robert Jones, AD Josh Whitman, Associate AD for Sports Medicine, Randy Ballard, will be holding a live stream presentation of the DIA's detailed plans for athletics this school year tomorrow at 11 a.m. So I guess that we will know a little bit more about this then. I, yeah, I mean, I, I guess it's, it's open to the public. So, yeah. I mean, I think obviously hopefully you're if you're hearing this before 11 a.m tomorrow you get on that because I think every fan every if not even every Illinois fan just every sports fan or anyone involved in sports wants to wants to know what's going on and wants to know and yeah obviously they're not going to have all the answers tomorrow but you know they could have a pretty legit plan in place um I don't know I think I think I've said I don't know so many times on this podcast today because everything in sports, it's like we're getting so close, but we take one step closer and medically and nationwide and everything with this virus, we're taking like five steps back. I think we're getting closer and closer and closer to these decisions that have to be made about sports and things are just getting worse and worse and worse in the country right now as far as the virus so it's really difficult to in my opinion it's really difficult to see a college football season in 2020 yeah I agree like I said there's all these questions and every single time like you and I are saying like you said I don't know because there's a lot that we don't know there's a lot I'm sure that they haven't figured out it's just I'm I'm so concerned like I'm I'm obviously I'm not surprised they haven't canceled it all yet, but like you said, everything we see, whether it's cases going up, whether it's stricter guidelines, it all points to negative outcomes. And obviously the worst it can get is no season, but maybe like if it's for the best, they're going to do it. So, I mean, like we go back to school in a month, so we're going to know pretty, you know, relatively soon. This could be one of our last two or three podcasts before we do know if college football is, uh, you know, cancel or not, or what the plans are. And then, like you said, it could last for a week or two and get canceled. So I guess we just have to wait and see, right? <sighs> just a big game of wait and see, I feel like, for everything in life right now. I feel like it's been a long couple months, a long few months, actually. I saw a tweet earlier today or the other day and was like, the last dance seemed like years ago. That yeah, was, what, two true. months, a month, a month and a half ago? I feel like we were talking about that years ago. Like, and it kind of makes me want to rewatch it, but. Me too. Maybe I should get on that. I mean, what else are we going to do before we go? I mean, we could go back to school next month and be sent home a week later. Honestly, I was talking about this with some of my friends the other day. There's a good chance. There's a good chance. Because the second Illinois goes back into phase three, we're back home, right? So. Yeah, you have to assume. I mean. Also, what's the point? What's the point of being at school when the bars are 21? Gabby, come on. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, let's be honest. We haven't talked about the elephant in the room. I'm not even sure it was the elephant, maybe for you, but hey, there's, come on, Gabby. There's a ton of other stuff to do. We have a great campus. You're right. It's rated the number two college town by a couple of polls. No COVID parties, though. No one's having any COVID COVID parties. parties. Alabama can keep... Alabama can keep their COVID parties away from Illinois. Um, 
I don't know. We got lots up in the air right now. Sports, school, uh, literally everything. Everything is up in the air right now. But, you know, obviously next week we'll probably be back to talk about the MLB starting up potentially, you know, what the NBA's plans are. Hopefully some updates um, on, you know, the situation with college football, Illinois sports in general. Like we said, 11 a.m. tomorrow if you want to tune in um, to that. I mean, I'm sure we'll get a lot of interesting information or at least get a general idea, hopefully, of, like, if it, college football does get played, what the fan situation is going to be, like, things like that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we'll be back next week to talk about all that stuff. This has been the Daily Atlanta Sports Podcast. Thank you guys for joining